0: Welcome to Terrible, a Canadian true crime podcast. I'm Marie. And I'm Renee. We're two friends that discuss true crime stories in hopes to prepare ourselves for life's most terrible things. Quick disclaimer, the following podcast will include graphic and explicit content. Our goal is to respect victims and their families. We do not want to sensationalize crimes or glorify criminals. We are not experts. We want to tell these stories in order to learn from them and make sure victims and their families are not forgotten.
1: Just before we get started, we want to mention that we have a merch store. If you guys want to check it out and support the show, you can go on Etsy and look us up at Terrible True Crime. We also have Patreon if you want some monthly bonus episodes. And the last thing is that it really helps when you rate the show and leave a review wherever you listen. All right, let's get into some updates. So, I'm going to tell you about something that happened to me that I'm very devastated over. Oh no. So, I'm a very generally clumsy person. I'm not careful. you know I run into things, I drop things. It's very it's very well known about me if you <laughs> know me well. the one thing I've never done is break a phone, okay? <gasps> I have always taken good care of my phones, had good cases on them because I know myself. That isn't until last night. Did you shatter it? Completely shattered. Oh. Completely shattered. Oh, it was in my pocket. I bent down, so it wasn't even far from the ground because I'm short, <laughs> and it fell out of my pocket. And I just picked it back up, put it back in my pocket, and kept going on with my night. And, and then... you didn't notice? No, because it <laughs> it didn't fall from high, and it fell on carpet. Like, oh my and god! And then I look at it, and I just, I think the feeling was so. It's it's a new phone, so if that like gives anyone the any idea of how I'm feeling, but. The feeling was so overwhelming that I was like emotionless. And I was like, well, shit <laughs> happens <laughs> in my life now.
0: <laughs> that's <laughs> like, kind of good, though.
1: Oh, good for you. Yeah. It would have been better if it was just a crack, but it's a shatter where like chunks.
0: Yeah, that happened to me out. once. Yeah, I just got it. I just brought it to a place and they fixed it for like a 100 bucks. <sighs> yeah, and it's so it was I mean, fine for do. like two years after.
1: Yeah, I'm sure yeah. it'll be fine. It was just, you know, when you're just having yes. that type of week and the one yeah. thing that just like tops yes. you over the edge. Like, oh my God. Like, I oh really did not need this. Yeah. And then I've just been in this like moon where like everything sucks. So, yeah. Um, you. Yeah. So that's how my week has been going. The one. Well not the one I should say the one going on. I have lots of good things going on. But the one good news I heard today is that Rookie Blue, which is a Canadian cop show that I watched in high school, is now on Netflix. And I love I never it. watched it. It's so good. How many, so many seasons? You watch it. Ooh, uh maybe five or six. Okay, or seven. I don't perfect. know. But there was a good amount of seasons okay. and I actually um maybe a couple months ago was looking for it and you couldn't purchase it anywhere like I was like I'm willing to buy it I want to rewatch it and now it's on Netflix so if you guys haven't seen it Rookie Blue it's great
0: on my end um football Sundays are starting and apparently that's our thing this year we're gonna join (laughs) in on the football Sundays football I have to admit though is like the only sport that I actually like could enjoy watching we chose a team and we got um Zoe, a little jersey. Oh. oh, she looks so cute. You have in to post it. a picture. Oh, yeah, it's so freaking cute. So, you know, Sundays are going to be for having some drinks, a lot of food,
1: nice. a little bit of
0: football. Give you a
1: reason to do something.
0: Exactly. Yeah, exactly. Maybe it'll help, you know, the um, Sunday scaries. It'll help the Sunday yeah. scaries, hopefully.
1: hopefully. Definitely.
0: And uh, maybe I won't include this in when I edit, but. Um, we've gotten a lot of mean comments lately and, you know, I just want to put it out there that we lose money by doing this podcast. <laughs> like we spend more than we gain. Um, so, so obviously it's a, we have no. like
1: two patrons, yeah. which are amazing, but that was never the goal, but Yeah. Mm
0: but you know to be spending money to do something
1: that takes a lot of time and
0: effort and for
1: people to be so mean it's okay um, like but you know just
0: think twice before you comment
1: please yeah so I only do the podcast side really and Mahi does the YouTube side of like the commenting and I do most of the social media but anyway I don't know who looked at I'm going to speak for myself, but me and thought that I had the self confidence enough <laughs> to think that they could go after the way that I look because I'm telling you right now, I don't.
0: Same girl, same. So
1: no. um, <sighs> if you think we're ugly, that's great. Keep it in your yeah, so. That's I really wanted my face to be on YouTube. <laughs> like, I wanted to be a podcaster, but apparently it's part of the gig, so
0: it's totally fine if you think we're ugly just don't let us know because <laughs> trust me we're already telling ourselves that every day you know yeah, I we am. know so, yeah we know <laughs> anyways just putting that out there love you guys if you're listening but if you're just yes. here out of random clicking on our youtube video either exit
1: or be kind Thank yeah. you. But also thank you for all the kind comments. Because we <laughs> yes. get a ton of kind comments and a lot of nice stuff, which, which makes our day ten times better because we like send it to each yes. other. we like send crying faces, <laughs> like we're so excited. So yes. Yeah. Good point. All right. Crime updates. So by the time the episode came out last week, this had already been all wrapped up. So we talked about Damien Sanderson and Miles Sanderson who went on this kind of killing spree in Saskatchewan. So early last week, Damien Sanderson was found, so he was found dead, um, his body was found in James Smith Cree Nation. So he was one half of the pair that was responsible for killing the 10 people, as I just mentioned, and injuring many, many others, and we spent the most of the rest of the week wondering where Miles Sanderson went or was and you know kind of what happened between the two of them. We still don't have a lot of information about that but later on in the week, thankfully on Wednesday Miles Sanderson was caught by the police. He went into medical distress after being arrested near ross Saskatchewan, and was pronounced dead in hospital. So there are no other details about how he died, really. Autopsies will be done, I'm assuming, on both of them, and the investigation is ongoing, but thankfully, everyone is kind of good good to go back out again there's no more sort of intense stress out here about you know being on lookout for the black nissan and you know so on and so forth so yeah but very strange like i don't know if something happened between the two of them and then one of them ended up dead and then the other one kept Mm. running it's very strange i hope that we get more information but we are glad that that they're not not on the streets hurting people anymore. It was creepier, I think, or scarier because everyone was getting those emergency mm-hmm. alerts on their phones which, constantly. So, yeah, I got them here in Alberta, and it was done in Saskatchewan. Like, if you see this, take cover immediately. Do not approach suspect. And it, like, it's like, um, whoa. <laughs> Yeah. Oh my yeah, God. So, yeah. Yeah. I know a couple of you have messaged us on Instagram about it, and um, one conversation I had with one of our listeners, her at is it'scriminology dot said she told me she was camping at the time, and I was like, same girl. <laughs> like I also got the emergency That's alert so when true. I was camping. So <gasps> like, um, how do I actually- take cover
0: in a t- tent?
1: Yeah, I probably shouldn't say she. I don't know if it's a she, I was assuming. So they told me that they were camping. It's like, me too, but I was sort of on my way out from camping. So scary. Scary for the long weekend for a lot of reasons. Yeah, I didn't even think about that. That makes it 10 times worse.
0: Glad that's over. Well, uh, next up is uh, (laughs) fatal stabbing in Banff that happened recently. So police are investigating two murders outside the same nightclub in Banff within the... of a month. So the first one happened August 5th. The second one has just recently happened on September 3rd. What's kind of like eerie about this is that the previous murder in this town was in 1990. Yeah, it's has yeah. years. So, which actually in one of the articles, the stabbing that happened in 1990 was, was that someone stabbed a cab driver for the earrings and their earrings were only worth $130. I mean, Mind you, those are expensive earrings, but not worth a life. You know what I mean. Ooh, Nothing's worth right. a life. That's what yeah. happened. Uh, not in 1990. Yeah, that's yeah. what I mean. Anyways, a so very weird
1: thing to happen in Banff. I know, right? Like just because like it's a very niche community. Yeah. Like You're not just like you're not just hanging out there. When, when I think of Banff, or I think of traveling. um, think of like a Hallmark
0: cheesy mm-hmm. Christmas movie. like it's all like happy and like cute and family like there's just lots of happiness around but clearly recently it hasn't been like that so the club that this happened at uh is called dancing sasquatch which i thought was a kind of cool name i think it's the
1: only nightclub in bath
0: okay like the only
1: like dance bar right
0: yeah and they had actually recently reopened after the first um stabbing happened and then now this happened so that people who at worked there oh man okay. yeah so they reopened and then on august 5th ethan ends Gano, if i'm pronouncing it correctly was unfortunately the victim that was uh stabbed and killed at the nightclub he was a local banff resident who was born and raised in the community and he was only 26 so mm. it's really sad you know he was born and raised in this little cute town and this had to happen and so the suspect john ariza who's 22 was charged with second degree murder and continues to be held in custody so now september 3rd stabbing the suspect john sprell is a 20 year old and he the suspect or the victim the the suspect Okay. Yeah. He is charged with second degree murder following a fatal stabbing also at the same nightclub on Saturday, uh, September 3rd. And the weirdest thing about this is that residents of an apartment complex a few blocks away from the crime scene said the attacker attempted to like break into their homes to flee the police. So he was banging and like smearing bloody handprints on their doors and Thankfully, he was arrested near the apartment building. But unfortunately, the victim, um, 27 year old, was found by the nightclub and he later died in hospital and he has not been identified. So we don't have a name, Um, which I feel like currently as we're recording, it's quite a few days after. I don't know how long it takes to identify or if they just haven't released any information, but yeah so that's really sad for the community of banff too because it's i'm sure it's a
1: tight-knit one definitely i feel like something that really shocks the entire the entire community Mm like the city of banff so yeah that is too bad and i i know that we've been to Banff several times since we've lived in the calgary area and i know that most of the calls that police get when they're there is like Kids partying too hard, mm-hmm. no borders, they're being too rowdy. You know, I'm sure the odd sex assault and things like that, that yeah. are horrible, but it's definitely not usually murder. Oh, and that nightclub, like, that sucks. Mm-hmm. You just reopen your doors and you're like, okay, we'll recover from someone being murdered yeah. here. Yeah. <laughs> and then someone For else the first murdering.
0: time since 1990. <laughs>
1: Alright, let's get into this week's case. So today we are going to be covering the case of Alicia Ross. Alicia was born on February 8th of 1980. She was born in Markham, Ontario and was adopted when she was an infant by Sharon and Marvin Ross. The couple would also adopt Alicia's younger brother, Jamie. Sharon and Marvin would later split up, and I believe that they both remarried. This caused for this kind of huge blended family, there was many siblings involved in Alicia's life, and yeah, it sounds like she had a a pretty good family life, lots of people that loved her. She's described as athletic, she loved kickboxing, she loved camping and canoeing, so was obviously very outdoorsy, and played guitar. She did her post-secondary education at Concordia University and studied geography. Everything seems pretty good in Alicia's life so far, but she had gone through some difficult times. Marvin, her father, had died by suicide when she was younger. And her high school boyfriend had been killed in a car accident so she had been through some pretty difficult things for the young age of just being 25 years old in 2005. yeah that's a lot so like i said it's 2005 when this case takes place she's 25 years old she had just recently finished her undergrad and spent some time traveling she had gone to australia israel and peru wow that's pretty yeah. sweet. Pretty adventurous. She's mm-hmm. described as pretty fearless. She had just recently moved back home to a suburb north of Toronto in Thornhill, Ontario. She was living in a room in her mother and stepfather's basement. She had just recently began working at Hewlett and Packard, which I had to Google and then I realized is HP, it's an information technology company, so like HP laptops. <laughs> I never I didn't, knew that's on Instagram. Me neither. I was like, I'm going to have to explain this. Wow. And I, it and I was like, wow, I'm probably the only one who didn't, didn't know that. I had no idea. That's really funny, actually. But that's where she had started working. Okay. She had recently expressed excitement for her work and thought that she might be getting a promotion. She had also just started dating a new guy, a 29-year-old named Sean. So things were going, you know, really well. She was really starting her life. Until it wasn't going well. <laughs>
0: <laughs> I'm just trying to make you laugh, not scare you. For one, it didn't sound like you. <laughs> and you that were so good. close to the mic that it felt like it was coming from Baja. I'm <laughs> sorry, sorry
1: okay. On the day of August 16th, Alicia and her mom walk the dogs together. They then head back home and mom goes out to run errands with a friend and when she gets home she decides she wants to go to bed early. The last time Sharon saw Alicia was when Alicia asked Sharon to borrow a purse that the two had I guess been kind of sharing but was probably mostly Sharon's. The pair say good night and that was kind of it for that. That night however, Alicia's boyfriend, Sean, is planning on coming over to hang out. He was probably over in the basement around the time that she said goodnight to her mom. The two are hanging out. It's reported that they're having a glass of wine, burning CDs, you know, just they're newly dating. So they're very much in love hanging out in the basement. Nice because Alicia sort of gets her privacy still, but Mm -hmm. is. You know, still starting her life, so saving up money and living with her parents. Around 11 p.m. to 12 a.m. is when Sean leaves the home. Alicia walks him to his car, and they say goodnight. While Sean is on his way home, he's driving home, he calls Alicia one last time to say goodnight. Like I said, during this like honeymoon (laughs) phase, I'm sure. Yeah, and it's like the, oh, I just missed you. I just want to say goodnight, you know? It was just that extra, you he probably missed her. However, she never answered. In the morning, Sharon, Alicia's mom, and Julius, her stepdad, leave to go golfing. They were in part of some sort of golfing tournament, and they noticed that Alicia's car is still in the driveway. She was supposed to be heading to work the next day, but her parents figured that she might have just slept in. She's an adult at this point, so they don't go back in to wake her up. They just, you know, let her do her thing and figure she's about to wake up and head to work. Also that morning, Sean tries to give Alicia another call, but again, no answer. And this must have been strange, right? They must have been in more regular contact because of what happens next. He calls her work. No answer. He calls her work's general line and asks to speak to Alicia. And they inform her that she's not in. It was a no call, no show. Immediately, he calls 911 to report her missing. Some people have speculated that this is strange. He calls 911 before contacting her parents before contacting any of her friends. She could have just, you know, just ghosted him and then decided not to go <laughs> That's to work. so true. But he calls 911. Yeah. Reports her missing and then, like I said, then decides to call her parents. Her parents are confused, you know, they slept in the home last night and they were under the impression that Alicia was also in the home last night mm-hmm. and they decide to kind of make their way home. When they get home, there's police at the house, Sean, the boyfriend, is there, and it kind of spirals from there. It's like they didn't even realize their daughter was missing, and now it's sort of a full-blown investigation. Alicia's mom goes into her bedroom and sees her purse, her car keys, her phone, and there was an open pack of cigarettes. She noticed that Alicia's jewelry was beside the sink, and she usually did this, she usually took her jewelry off, you know, like most of us, but right before washing her face and getting ready for bed. There was also laundry out on her bed, and her bed was still made, so this obviously set red flags off in her mom's head, you know, because it's not like, the bed being made is not that strange, I feel like, but for there to be laundry, it's not like you're folding laundry and you leave it half-folded in the morning before going to work
0: mm-hmm I
1: mean I would so, but you would you do laundry before going to work
0: oh if it just came out of the dryer I, I never I hate folding my clothes so I would just leave it on. yeah my bed. I would just
1: leave it <laughs> yeah I mean it's not impossible it's but a I know what you mean I, of all yeah. these things and it's it like it's reported as like half folded like sort yeah. of like halfway done the laundry right anyway I'm not doing anything in the morning I'm rolling out of bed and having a coffee and that's (laughs) it but maybe some people do but anyway all the combination of these weird things is obviously making everyone concerned yeah in the backyard they find i think a shoe but could have been shoes a glass which also could have been a wine glass i've seen it reported both ways and cigarettes they also noticed that the backyard gate had been left open nobody could find alicia this is all strange she's sort of officially considered missing, and a search begins. Hundreds, I even read up to thousands of volunteers join the search. Unfortunately, sort of right after she goes missing, there's this big rainfall, like this sort of huge storm that stops the boots on the ground search for a little bit and, you know, could have also sort of taken away any evidence potentially, Mm -hmm. that investigators or volunteers could have found. Missing person posters are made and her picture was distributed everywhere in the community. Alicia's missing person case was also in the media, heavily in the media, was being reported on. Everyone in the community was invested in finding her. A toll-free number was set up for any tips anyone might have to find her and her car was towed away so investigators could take a better look at it. People were invested because it's obviously very strange for a 25 year old woman to disappear from her home when other people were in the home without a trace. So I think maybe some of her siblings were home as well. I've heard a sister, but I don't know exactly. Definitely mom and stepdad were home. Nobody had seen anything. No neighbors had heard anything, nothing obviously investigators went around asking anyone for any information and they sort of got nowhere nobody thinks at this point that alicia has just up and left everyone is thinking something bad has happened their feeling is sort of you know an abduction she wouldn't have just left the house as time goes on thoughts of foul play creep into everyone's mind in late august the ontario provincial police behavioral science unit said that they believed that she was taken by someone she knew and felt comfortable with. So they're- they're dishing out some resources here to find her. Yikes! I didn't even know that- I shouldn't assume that we don't have behavioral science units, but interesting to know that the OPP has behavioral science. Like in every other investigation of this kind, investigators look at the boyfriend. They're wondering, like I said, why he would call 911 before checking in with her parents. He seemed instantly sure that there was something wrong and that she was missing. There are a lot of claims or rumors that are going around that he wasn't cooperating with investigators. He appears to become the number one suspect. Obviously investigators are going to look at him, but the media is really to blame for kind of targeting him as, again, the number one suspect Mm -hmm. in this case. Investigators do their part, they search around the house where Sean lived, it's sort of public knowledge that they're looking into him again, you know, the media's there sort of watching investigators knock door to door, try to get information from his neighbors, but that leads them nowhere. Days after Alicia goes missing, it's reported that Sean was caught drinking and driving, and his license was suspended. I think this kind of fueled... The fire in the media as well, pointing to him, you know, this is not a great look for him, but also- His girlfriend's missing. Yes. He's going through it right now, for sure. So that's basically what he tells police. He says, you know, he was upset about Alicia, it's not something he usually does, but you know. Mm -hmm. But at this point, it seems like he's kind of had enough. He stops cooperating completely and he refuses to take a polygraph. Oh, Sean. Which is always hard because it's, it's one- it's either very smart or makes you look very guilty. Because polygraphs are, as everyone who's into crime knows, sort of sketchy. It's so I, I kind of if he didn't do it at this point in the case, if he didn't do it, I get they're already pinning me for this. I'm I'm backing off. Like I'm mm-hmm. not the suspect. I'm ruining myself in this investigation. If he did do it, it's making him look real guilty because he's like, I don't want to fail the polygraph test. So it's a tough one for sure.
0: I feel like also I would, I mean, I'm anxious, so I feel like I would fail it anyways, even if I didn't do it. But if I wasn't guilty and I'm being accused as like the number one suspect, I'd just be like, "Get, let's get it over with. You're going to know I'm not guilty. I didn't do anything. Now, stop bugging me and put your efforts into... Finding whoever actually did
1: it. True, but I feel like there have been many cases where people have not been guilty, and they find they have been found to have been deceitful on their polygraph test. Oh, like it's not a, it's not very black and white polygraphs. Yeah. So it's just that's what I mean. It's like a big gray area. So some people refuse, and you're like, I get it because I don't want to be involved in this. If mm. there's any chance that I might fail because I'm anxious or because I'm, yeah, I don't know, right? It's it's sketchy for sure on august 25th a 31 year old man walks into the police station along with his lawyer he's surrendering himself he tells investigators that he was responsible for the disappearance and the killing of alicia ross this man was alicia's next door neighbor his name daniel sylvester daniel is described as a loner he was diagnosed with depression, anxiety, and OCD, and it's reported that he stopped taking all of his medication. He had no job, had sort of never held down a job, was being supported mostly by his parents, who he was living with at the time. He was a very big night owl, and is kind of described as this sort of peeping Tom, like he had these night vision goggles or something. No. He, yes, he spent most of his time outside the house at night. He'd borrow his mom's car and sort of go out and... Oh, that's I don't know, drive around. I don't know how to describe that. According to Daniel's lawyer, after he surrendered himself, Daniel just wanted to make things right. He said the following.
0: His conscience got the better of him. He's feeling that the family next door needed closure. He feels that another person might have been unjustly prosecuted.
1: At this point, there was actually apologies from the press, from the media, put out towards Sean. Wow. his boyfriend, because they had gone after him so aggressively. Good for them. Most people who cover this case mentioned the apology i think it was really one columnist who wrote for the toronto sun but maybe there was more but anyway he was obviously really targeted and i'm sure this had a huge impact on him but apologies were were put out which is yes very good better than nothing yeah daniel agreed to take police to alicia's remains on september 21st he had originally placed her in manila ontario near where his family had a cottage He visited the site several times before eventually deciding to move her 54 kilometers away in Coboconk, Ontario. That's rude. It's very weird. I think he was getting stressed out, concerned... Uh, Eventually, we'll get into it, but pieces of... How do I say this? Alicia's remains were found in both places, so it's- I don't understand why he would have moved her, and I think it's just, I don't want to I'm so disgusted that yeah. the, and he did this in the first place and then thought, you know, let me move her, ugh, I, I hate that for Alicia's family that they know this information, mm-hmm. I hate that. Yeah. Dale was charged with second degree murder as investigators were waiting for the remains to be identified, and finally they got the confirmation that this was Alicia. During a lengthy interview he described the events of the night from his perspective. He said that he met Alicia in the walkway between the houses, probably either right after she said goodbye to her boyfriend, Sean, or she might have gone back into the house and gone out for one last smoke. Mm-hmm. He says that he kind of startles her, and she says, what the F are you doing here, you loser? I don't know, Alicia, however, I have been diving into this case for days and days now, and she just does not seem to me like the type of person to say something like this. Yeah. And on top of that, I don't know who is saying this sort of thing when they're being startled.
0: Well, that's what I was just thinking. I'm like, that's the last thing I would think of if I was like, whoo, scared me. I, I,
1: if like, I'm scared, I'm going to like antagonize the person who scared me, even if they meant to scare me or not. No.
0: If you anything, I, I just say WTF.
1: Yeah. For sure. Like, stop it there. Like, okay. Chill. Leave. But this is what he says. This is according to him. Yeah. He says this triggered him because he had been through years of bullying, and I'm sure you know, basically from what we have seen, being called a loser many times, and he just snaps. He says he slapped her across the face, he says she grabbed his shirt, and then he forced her down to the concrete walkway. Content warning. (laughs) Trigger warning. (laughs) He says he put his knee on her sternum, and smashed her head on the ground several times. Yes, horrible, I'm horrible. I, I'm leaving out details. Like, like I, like, I feel like I I'm leaving feel out that. several details. Yeah, I just think it's you feel the being startled and all of a sudden attacked. Yeah, you know, it's just sort of that. Like, it's almost impossible to defend yourself. Mm-hmm. You're, you're in your own space near your house which you don't you feel comfortable yes you're not yeah. scared you're not a high alert mm-hmm. something scares you and then I'm I'm gonna go with the fact that this is all sort of his version of the story to give him motive in the yeah. sense that he's saying that she called him a loser I'm not gonna believe that I don't think Alicia's family believes that either so she he, he just attacks her he's obviously a bigger older man it's it's horrible He basically says that he knew she was seriously hurt and he thought about, you know, what he should do next. So I really wanted to find the interrogation video to show Mackie before the episode because that's her jam. She loves an interrogation video, but this was not available to view anywhere. However, we have quotes from his video, so we'll start with this one.
0: I was angry and humiliated. I took offense. I wanted to confront her. I knew I crossed the boundary when I hit her. It was no longer verbal. It was physical. It was real. I'm responsible for her disappearance. I'm responsible for her death. Basically, I killed her. She died in my hands. She looked dead. She wasn't breathing. She stopped struggling. She just lay there. I panicked. I didn't know what to do. I knew I was in serious trouble. I knew I caused her serious bodily harm. I was scared
1: again this is all seeming very fabricated to me like he's the victim Mm. here like she offended him and he was just defending himself Mm -hmm. and he's scared now
0: and like if you're trying to cover it up like that by bringing her and burying her and then like thinking for your story for the next few days like i don't know it's just too much
1: yeah it's 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 a lot he basically continues i don't want to give him too much of a voice so like, that'll be it from his quotes but he drags her down the shared pathway across the front step of his house through the side entrance to his garage there he uses water and towels to wipe the blood from the garage floor he lines the trunk of his mother's car with pieces of cardboard then he puts her body into the trunk he says that he wrapped duct tape around her, also wrapped her head since it was bleeding in rags and more duct tape. He then takes a shower and he puts his blood-stained clothing and towels into a garbage bag in which he dumps on the way home from ditching her body in the town of Manila. He firmly states that he did not rape her. You no, know, he's trying to defend himself. You know, I didn't do that. I I did this to defend myself, but I didn't rape her. Oh God. However, investigators find semen either damn on Leisha. in the. Home- I'm not. The details are not clear. I don't yeah. even want to know the details. No. And to kind of you know explain this away, he says that he basically had to calm his nerves down because he was like. So anxious about what had just happened that he sort of, you know, just took care of himself, and that's why there was semen at the scene around the body or whatever.
0: Oh my god, I cannot with this man, which is this
1: is not true. He, well, I don't want to say, well, this, even if I, it was though, both are gross, Both both are, gross. Are, both, are disgusting. both are disgusting, but I just think he's trying to paint himself as this sort of victim when I'm like. Yeah, no,
0: definitely not a victim. If you could hear my eyes roll right now, they're (laughs) rolling.
1: And, you know, as investigators kept doing their thing, as the autopsy was done, things are kind of moving along, and it becomes evident that the attack was way more brutal than Daniel had initially described. It was compared to someone getting hit by a car. The damage that was done on Alicia's body. Oh my god. Alicia. And I'm leaving details out. I'm leaving so many details out because we just it's We just don't need it. It's too much. Sucks big time. We hate this guy. Alicia's funeral was held almost 2 months after her death on October 6th of 2005. More than 500 people jammed into a Toronto synagogue to show their sympathy and lend support to the family. Sharon lovingly described her daughter as the following.
0: She was an adorable baby, a precious toddler, a blossoming preteen, and a terrible, terrible teenager. <laughs> I love that. Yeah, it was very sweet. <laughs> Good night, our love, our dove.
1: The trial began in July of 2007. The defense was going to try and go for manslaughter. Basically saying that, again, Leisha had provoked this. Bullshit. So, yes, <laughs> for sure. So, like, it wasn't planned or anything. It was sort of, you know, in in defense of himself, out, you know, out of the blue. It's not something he intended on doing. But, you know, the videotape was played. So the videotape of the interrogation was played during the trial. The jury got to hear it. And they heard everything... I told you earlier, and they probably saw right through it, just like we yeah. felt strongly about earlier. You know, he claims that she called him a loser, that he lost his temper, but the jury gets to hear in details how he overpowered her, pinned her to the ground, and so on and so on. And in the interrogation video, he's actually reenacting the crime for the investigators. Oh. So I feel like the jury is like, mm, no, like, yeah. <laughs> no you're not getting away with this like this is it's i feel like it's obvious to everyone that this is Mm -hmm. not a manslaughter yeah he seems flat and without any affect or feelings in the interrogation video supposedly so they're just like once the trial is over the jury finds him guilty thank second degree murder he gets 25 years and is eligible for parole after 16 years he was eligible for parole in 2021 there was a petition on change.org that people were signing to sort of prevent him from being able to get out i found nothing zero about a parole hearing either it happened and he's still this guy's not getting out but either it happened and he's still in jail or it hasn't happened because of COVID, and it's gotten pushed back, pushed back, uh, pushed back. I'm wondering if the petition is still taking. I'll sign it. Signatures. Let me check. So it seems like they're still taking signatures. Uh, we'll post the link. We don't care if the parole hearing's been. Yes, we need more. Done. They have seven thousand two hundred ninety-four signatures. They're almost at their goal. Oh, yeah, someone signed. To, yeah, someone signed ago. three hours yeah, ago. Yeah. All right, we're posting this. We're joining. The terrible squad is joining. <laughs> Yes. this petition and maybe that means that he hasn't had parole hearing yet or maybe that just means that people are still wanting to support the family and for the next parole hearing so I'm sure
0: oh, one of the one of the um I guess when you sign you can put a reason for signing one of them two years ago is because I'm still mourning the loss of my best friend 15 years
1: later after the verdict was read Sharon said the following
0: This verdict now helps all of us move forward to the day when we hope memories will be of cherished happy times rather than painful reminders of Alicia's death.
1: She later again spoke in a 2007 article and said, I constantly visualize how Alicia died,
0: how she was left naked to rot. Every day I wake up, it feels like someone
1: punched me in the stomach. This is obviously a very awful quote to read and to hear, but I thought it was important. Like, this is really the impact that Mm -hmm. this disgusting murder has had on this family. And not a lot of victims' families speak like this, but I think these are thoughts that are going through their head. Yeah. And I think she's being very honest. Mm -hmm.
0: Yeah. Yeah, no, that's exactly it. I think she's being very honest, and I say- think sometimes you think it's easier to put your emotions to the side and not share them because they're Mm -hmm. they're awful feelings really yeah but her expressing that it's really showing her honesty and how much it
1: has really impacted her life definitely and it's reported that they haven't taken any family photos since Alicia was murdered and you know she nobody in 2007 she had said that nobody really goes down in Alicia's room it's just too upsetting a case that is often mentioned when discussed the Alicia Ross case is the Jennifer T. case. Alicia's disappearance came only days after the body of Jennifer was found. Jennifer was 18 years old and she lived in Ottawa and she was found near a hiking trail 10 days after she went missing while walking home from a late night shift at a fast food restaurant. So these cases are often talked about sort of not not connected but these were happening in the same areas around the same time frame so i thought we'd go ahead and cover jennifer's case next week oh, so next week we'll be talking about jennifer um it just feels really fitting every time i was looking up stuff about alicia people were talking about jennifer and i think that i think it's our time to cover jennifer's case for next week but that that's it for the alicia ross case how are you feeling i always
0: wonder these types of cases like What would have happened if he didn't come forward? I
1: was thinking that all week. I am heavily concerned that Sean would have been Mm. railroaded and like pinned for this. There's a pretty good chance that they would have just gone after him like hard. And I don't know if it would have ever gotten anywhere, but he was the last to Mm -hmm. see her alive. He was the boyfriend, you know, the husband did it, all that stuff. Mm And part of Daniel surrendering himself said that I don't want someone else to be pinned for this. I'm, I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna sit here and say that like he's
0: <laughs> he cares about how other
1: people feel, yeah. but that's kind of where things were headed, at least in the media. Like I'm not sure on investigator sides, but people were really thinking Sean had something to do with this. Mm-hmm. How awful would that have been if Daniel never came forward and Sean was either arrested or? just like when his whole life people thinking that he did it so we're donating somewhere a little bit different this week this is something that meant a lot to alicia she spent a lot of time so we're donating kind of in her memory so i'll let marie take it away
0: so this week we're donating to ontario parks this is from their website provincial parks are part of the fabric of ontario our history culture and natural environment they help to preserve our natural landscapes for future generations. Only a small portion of Ontario Parks' budget comes from provincial taxes. Most operational funding comes from day use and camping fees, rentals, partnerships and donations. Ontario's provincial parks are treasured places to build new memories, carry on traditions, connect with family, care about the environment, or simply get away. If you'd like to contribute to Ontario Parks, the link to donate will be in our description and Instagram and TikTok bio. Pictures for this case will be posted on our Instagram, so please follow us at Terrible True Crime. And if you enjoy the show, please subscribe and leave us a review below. If you have any case suggestions, please send us a message on our socials or email us at terribletruecrime@gmail.com. at gmail.com. If you're curious of any sources that we used for this case, they will be linked in the description. Thank you for joining us and see you next time.